to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. I'm good as long as it's not like Christmas or like what was it this lesson? Black Friday. I was like, oh, we're, we're. Yeah. And Ryan's like, right, but it wasn't Black Friday. And I'm like, yeah, no, it, it was. No, but it totally like, was, yeah, dude. But, but like, it wasn't actually like Black Friday. And I'm like, no, Ryan, it. Ryan, where, where are, you, are, you are you not listening, Ryan? <laughs> it's just like, I it was actually, I was right there. <laughs> I promise you, it was Friday and everything. Yeah. Like, right uh, there, man. Way to ruin it, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. Way to ruin the mystique. Come on, man. It's an illusion. <laughs> it's, for the people watching and listening. People think this is live. This is live. This is happening right now, right in your ear holes and your eye holes. <laughs> Speaking of, let's go on over to the PCC, everybody. Come on. Sit on down. Get comfortable. Indian style. Let's do it. Let's just hit in the corner. Corner. Why is it Indian style? Well, Didn't the Native Americans sit that way too? They did. Is that yeah. why it's called Indian style? You know what's funny? Did I tell you about it, my story with that Indian? Would into that. Yeah, yeah. So did I tell you about my story with Indian Indians and stuff? Oh my! I Are you this. a cowboy? Is this the PCC? No, no. I should make Something a PCC else? about it though. The P, the PC, PCC. <laughs> but anyway, I learned oh, that man. that Native Americans, there's this whole poll taken like a few years back. There, they prefer to be called Indians, and so I was like, oh. Wait, and they changed all the names of sports teams? Yeah, I know, right? Which is, I know. <laughs> whole nother, so that's a whole nother PCC. <laughs> Today I want to talk about. Wait, he didn't know that. Because <laughs> he doesn't uh, watch sports. I, 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 <laughs> brief, brief, very briefly. Uh, the, re, you know, you know, the reason why I knew it, though, was because of uh, that Netflix show, uh, Kimmy Schmidt, that one. What was it called? Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. They make, they make fun of it on there because they are owners of the Redskins. And so, <laughs> and so they had this whole episode about it. Anyway, today's episode is not about anything to do with the indigenous peoples of America. <laughs> um, it actually has to do with Turning Red, the new Disney Pixar movie that was promoted to go out to theaters and then ended up going just to Disney Plus. And I saw that a lot of people were upset about it. And uh, I didn't know why. I, I, saw, I saw some of the reasons why, some of the initial reasons I saw. And Ryan, you were telling me a little bit beforehand that you had read people's response to the movie. Have you seen the movie? Yes. Okay. Well, no. I mean... <laughs> Those are two very different answers. <laughs> this is a really easy question. And when I say yes, I actually mean no. <laughs> What's the right answer here? Tell me. Tell me what I'm supposed to say. Um, we, we watched part of it on spring break. My boys had seen it all. I think Michelle caught most of it. Okay. But I slept in on spring break and only caught the last like 20 minutes of okay, it. Okay, cool. So. So I'm curious, you were watching having... it at 6 p.m. and you were <laughs> so they only like I don't even know what the movie's about. I've, I've I have seen a few issues, but the, one of the big one of the big ones that I saw was that like somebody posted the entire movie is about periods about about oh. about about no they're about 13 year old girls getting their period and I was like. That's the whole movie. And then I was like, well, it's called Turning Red. And that's the whole movie. I was like, golly, this is promoted about a girl turning into a red panda. And they had that crass of a metaphor. Oh, I was that's like, the movie. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I saw the previews. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I was like, surely that's not the whole movie. 
And so, but that that was the main thing that I had seen. I've seen like some things here and there, but that was the main what's thing the, I had seen. What's the, catch me up on this. Like what's the the gist of the movie that is a controversial issue? So I, that, that's what I'm getting at is that oh. that's the only controversial thing that I had seen. But I was like, I was like, let me, um, but, but, but I do know people are really against it, but I was like, why? And that's the main detail that I'd seen. And I was like, yeah, what's the issue? And I want, I want to go back to that in a second, but let me, I'll yeah. present the movie. I'll talk about this. And I want to go because you, you know, the details. Uh, yeah, I know some more details. You, you've, yeah. you've read some more articles. Side note, I just got to say, since you're the only parent with a girl, when you hit that point, I will be a real parent. You will be the real parent because we will have no <laughs> now, idea. Now, now we won't know anything. Now we know when, no now idea. we know yeah. where, where we I will be happy. <laughs> we will say we are no longer parents at all. You're the only parent. <laughs> <laughs> the only parent. <laughs> we don't know anything. That's so funny. Uh, so by I'll, that point, you could be a grandfather, actually, Micah. Holy oh, that's God. wild. Because you're, talk, you're talking you're talking about another, exactly the same. I you're talking about another grandkids before that. Yeah, before yeah. that happens. Yeah, because because that another that's eleven it, years. That's at least yeah, ten or eleven years away. Yeah, because she'll be two this yeah. and she'll be two in May. So yeah. if if we're counting if we're counting like if Seth was equal to me. Yeah, how old were you when Seth was born? Twenty five. Yeah. yeah, he's sixteen now. So yeah, so yeah. nine so years. Nine years yeah, you'd be a brand new granddad. How crazy! So you'd be a double old dad fart. before. <laughs> <laughs> crazy anyway uh so actually because i read that and i saw just like online on facebook and different places that there was a bunch of tension around this movie i was like well before i dive into the tension i kind of just watched the movie first before i dive into it and i've watched the movie and i didn't dive into the tension and you're going to be you're going to be the, how i dive into the tension hey pierce but did you see the movie i did i watched the movie and the movie i thought was a pretty good kids movie like it uh it's really if at its core, if we look at the changing into an animal thing, that there's like a family curse or curse. It's it's kind of like a blessing initially, but then it turns into a curse that they change into an animal and then they have to find a way to not be an animal. That happens in like five other Disney movies where someone turns into an animal and then the adventure story is to no longer be the animal and to come back. Beauty and, then, and the Beast. And then guess, exactly. Yeah. And then there's, I mean, there was a, the Brave was one where the mom oh, became yeah, a bear. Yeah, yeah. Um, there yeah. was, yeah, there's, there's a handful of, Hannah yeah. and I went through a, a few of them. I didn't write them all down. Um, but there's a handful of them where like, that's the adventure story is like, how do we get out of this predicament? And then guess what they do along the way? They learn life lessons along the way. And so that's really a lot of kids movies is there's what's a lot of storytelling in general is there's a general conflict. They have to solve the conflict. And along the way, there's life lessons. And so yeah. in the midst of the this octonauts. one, man. in the midst of this one, I don't even know what the great Octonauts kids. is. That's a great kids show. The is Octonauts really? is so stinking it's good. It's so funny. I don't even know what it is. I hate, well, you will you when your girl. daughter's a little bit older. I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, that's you, like you a, think? I mean, it's one of those ones that any... Could go either yeah, way. Could, yeah, yeah, boys and girls oh, could watch, man. but I don't feel like it's the. I don't know many girl parents that are like their girls are like, oh, the octonauts. You know, it's Dude, like, I'll have to check it out now. Oh, like, I'll, oh, I'll start. I'll start conditioning her to start I, laughing. I was yeah, that way. Idea. It's good. I was sad when my boys quit watching it because <laughs> I liked it. Tammy <laughs> used to do good. this thing where she like the kids would be watching something like the octonauts. She said she'd be doing something. And then realize a few minutes later, the boys had gone and she was still watching. Still watching it? Well, yeah. I made a rule when Riley was born that I was like, I don't want to be those parents that complain about the stuff that Riley watches. I was like, you know who has control over those things? I was like, we do. So like, we can take the remote away. Like, we can change those things. And so we never, I mean, I can't think of anything that like her age watches, but we're cool with Sesame Street. Like, we're cool with Elmo. We're cool with those things. Like, I don't know. Sesame Street's like woke now, isn't it? There's a, there's a it. few, there's a few things about it, but it doesn't like, it's not like in your face. It's just oh, okay. kind of like, it's just dangerous. Cause it's like, 
it's it there. Leaks it. Yeah. So like in your face. But it's not like, like it's not dangerous. like here it is. Do you want? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's also a show called Bluey that we enjoy, but it's not like that's. I've heard really good things. About I like Bluey. Bluey. Um, anyway, that's that's off topic. I'll watch so, Bluey for two hours by myself. It's, man, a, it's a good it's show, hilarious. man. Riley will leave well, the and room. I, and, and I've and heard I'll, that I'll like it's, it there's a really good family dynamic in oh, it, and like yeah, it's just no, really. Like, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the I've dad's heard awesome super things. cool. They're all Australian too. I know which takes is place great. in Australia. Yeah. Here we are, all all adult parents talking about the, yeah, our favorite no, cartoons exactly. and stuff. It just turns into a reaction. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there is there is, however, a period joke that lasts a long time in the movie. Where in the movie, so she she ends up turning into Red Panda, and then her and then she's scared, and she's in the bathroom, and so her mom asks the questions. as like, has the little red peony arrived? The what? And so it's like a red flower. And so like, oh. has your red flower arrived? And that's like the joke for adult audiences. They'd be like, oh, has she started her period? She's a 13-year-old girl. And uh, as she started her period, and then her mom's like, oh, I got to go into overdrive and help her through this time. But then she's like, maybe? <laughs> because she's a giant <laughs> she's a giant red panda. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. Like, I am a red panda, maybe? And so then she like freaks out, jumps out the window. Then her mom like embarrasses her at school. Spoiler alert, sorry. Oh, uh, dang, again, again, her mom embarrasses <laughs> Too her. Too late at, to say spoiler alert. I know, alert. I didn't say it at the beginning. Her mom embarrasses her at school by bringing the pads to school. So it's like this ongoing kind of, <laughs> But those are like funny jokes that I feel like most people can get. And so the one tension building controversial thing for me to see that the whole thing was about periods. I was like, yeah, if you watch that 10 minute part that like they oh, kept, they kept the, yeah, they kept the period joke going for <laughs> if, a while. If it's controversial that women have periods, then like, that's controversial, know, right? man. So, but the whole movie, the, the, the lesson it called learned. Rags to Riches? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the lesson, oh, the lesson to me that the whole I movie like, lasted a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. The lesson, the lesson to me that was shown was like, what does it look like to grow up? Because the whole like intro scene is like, I'm a grown up now, I'm 13. But then she has to learn how to balance her friendships. She has to learn how to balance uh, hanging out with her parents. She has to learn how to balance her schoolwork and her job. Like she's learning all these things and how to make decisions for herself. How do I take care of myself, but also love my friends and love my family? Like, how do I do these things? And so I was like, those are good lessons to learn that also a lot of other kids' movies are also doing. I mean, look at, there was Inside Out a while back of like, the main girl in that movie is her name is Riley. Um, main reason why, anyway. So I, I know my daughter's name is Riley. That's how I remember that. So, but she, that's one of the things for her is that she's having to learn how how do I deal with emotions? And so the whole movie's about emotions. Yeah, and just told from a kid's perspective. And so I thought that there was a lot of good. What's the controversy? So yeah, all that going back to what is the I thought there was good life lessons in it. What's yeah. So so a couple of things that a lot of the people that I. A lot of people are saying on it that she's incredibly rude and disrespectful to her parents. Um, a lot of people are saying um, that's the controversy. That's but by, part of but it. By the, okay, I'll, I'll respond. I mean, you asked, you know, so now I'm telling you. <laughs> Tell me now. So, uh, so a lot of people are just saying, man, that's just a terrible example for my kids. I wouldn't want my kids to treat me like that. To which I go, well, you know, don't let your kids treat you like that. You know, I think it's yeah. an opportunity for a conversation. Have uh, they ever seen Little Rascals? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, all the, uh, um, a couple of people have said something like at the beginning, which again, I didn't see, I saw the very end, but a couple of people said at the beginning, there's a lot about, uh, praying to their ancestors or whatever, oh, which yeah, is a yeah, cultural yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chinese they're, movie, right? they're a, yeah, yeah, they're of Asian descent. Um, but 
to me, if you're going to have a problem with that, I also feel like you have to have a problem in Lord of the Rings where they, they raise the army of the dead to come and help fight, you know, to come yeah. fight with them. And like, you know what I mean? Like to be, to be consistent, consistent yeah. like there's a lot of things that we entertain like that, that are only what we make them to be. Yeah. Um, but I also think they provide opportunities for conversation. Um, a lot of people yeah. were bothered by all the period jokes. Yeah. Uh, there I, is like sexual awakening type stuff conversations I, as well. I which do if, think if you're not if you're not ready what do you for mean this by that. So there's a part where she realizes she's attracted to boys. Oh. And so like she's like she's like spoilers. I don't, spoilers. Yeah. She's like she's like I don't know what everybody sees in in Devin. I don't know why people think that Devin's so cool. And she's thinking about she's obsessed with this boy band and she's like drawing pictures of the boy band and then you could see it in her eyes and she's just like you could tell she's like feeling differently. She's like, "Oh, he kind of looks like Devin. Devin's really cute." But it doesn't like go much past that. Uh, and then she yeah, kinda, she, she kinda, draws like she a like, sexy drawing or something of like them that. like hugging and she's like yeah. it with like hearts around it and so it's yeah. like she realizes that she learns that boys are cute and so like I don't yeah, know I don't know if people the, ever gone to preteen camp I don't know yeah <laughs> I don't know what the rating is of this movie so I feel like if you're not PG. ready if you're ready yeah. if you're not ready for those conversations with your kids maybe yeah, yeah. like that might be a legitimate concern of like I don't I'm not ready to have that conversation about well I mean sexuality the, or whatever the, I think I think maybe where people feel betrayed by it a little bit. Um, and I, I don't agree with this, but I think that maybe where people feel betrayed by it is because it's a kid's movie, they're going in with an expectation that they're not going to deal with those sorts of kinds of thoughts or whatever, mm. uh, which I feel is a little bit naive because if you have a teenage son and you allow him to watch The Avengers um, and Scarlett Johansson's in a tight leather, you know, whatever, like, again, you got to be consistent <laughs> and be yeah. like, you know, like he's going to have a sexual awakening <laughs> watching the movie. I don't yeah. know. Like, Iron Man, every Iron Man movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was part of the character yeah. of Tony Stark, yeah. especially yeah. in the first and movie. And they would say it's because it that's one of those rated PG-13. Yep. Especially in the first movie yeah. before he really kind of developed yep. the relationship with uh, uh, Pepper, Pepper Potts. Potts. But you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that these are opportunities. I, I, listen, I think if you're a parent and you have a problem with these kinds of things and you don't let your kids see them, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's an okay choice. I think to be bothered by uh, uh, a girl getting her period, like, one, you know, um, Micah, you were talking about it. I don't know what made you talk about it earlier, but we were talking uh, about um, – the the puberty video that your kids watch when they're in fifth grade. I, uh, I remember it was now. The, it was a Florida bill. And yeah, yeah. People yeah. are up in arms about that for whatever reason. But I don't um, want anybody teaching my kids about sexuality at school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and without so, my consent, without me like watching the stuff that yeah. they're going to show mm -hmm. them. So with both of our boys, I watched the video ahead of time because I, I didn't know. It's been forever since I was in fifth grade. And I'm sure, yeah, that, yeah. you know. They're awkward. Yeah. It's super weird. Yeah. But I also, I also didn't want the school to be the first time my kids saw this and had yep. questions. So I sat down yeah. with them and we watched the video. I watched it first and then I watched it with them mm -hmm. and we didn't watch just the guy part. We watched the whole thing. Uh, the, the guy and the girl part. And I was just like, listen, I was like, you, you might uh, like, here's some things that you might need to know. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so you were a braver man than I. <laughs> well, and I, you know, here's, here's my thing. I, I think, I think that these things are so taboo typically in culture and especially in Christian culture. Yeah that we teach people to be embarrassed about them or ashamed of them or whatever. Yeah. And I really want to flip that dialogue. And so one of the things that I said to both of my boys is that the next, in the next year or so, you're going to have some friends, some friends who are girls who are going to start to get their period. And if you ever notice a situation like this, here's what you can do. You can give them your jacket or you can, you know, help them like, so that they're not embarrassed, you know, like, yeah. like, because I've had some friends who, who said that like, I think that's a bad idea. Oh yeah. Bad idea is too strong. 
I think that's probably going to, at their age, I mean, something the girls should probably do for each other. What you're saying is if no. there's like an awkward situation if, where there's nothing don't else Don't embarrass to do. them. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's 100%. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just think like, I wouldn't want my kids walking around like with a jacket thinking like, who, what girl can I help no, out No, today? no, no, no. Yeah. Not like that, but just like I said, look, <laughs> just talking about, we don't want to embarrass people. We don't want to humiliate yeah, people. Yeah, and so yeah, if there's yeah, a way okay, that you can okay. protect somebody, you can bring it Absolutely. to the teacher's attention. And if you can't, then here's how you can do that. He's like, so, oh, he's got an extra jacket in his yeah. backpack. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, I just, I think that these are things that are, that we typically treat as so taboo that I yes, think that that's part agreed. of the reason that a lot of, uh, a lot of parents are probably up in arms over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There was totally a, there was right. apparently a scene in the movie where like she twerks to her mom and she's like, I'm, you know, I don't know, being disrespectful or whatever. So a lot of people. Yeah, that scene was so silly. She what? She, so they were, so they were both, I think they were, that was the scene where they were both pandas. They had both turned into pandas by, by that point. I know. I've said it like 15 times. There's spoilers <laughs> this movie. And like, and she was like, I'm going to do what I want, mom. And so, yeah, I, I, so back to the whole disrespectful mom thing. It's like, yeah, there's plenty of stories that way. But if you watch the last scene, like they, they there's a lot learned, of redemption. They learned through a lot of that. Well, like, and, and let's be um, honest, the mom was kind of a jerk in yeah, a lot and, of and it she too. She learned so, through that as yeah. well. Like, so, so she's, so she's doing this point where she's like, she's bending over to, at her mom as a panda. And she's like, she's like, I was like basically being like, well, I'm going to do what I want, mom. And she's just kind of like flailing her butt at her mom. And her mom's like, oh, it's just kind of, it's kind of like a silly, it's kind of like a slapsticky, disrespectful I, type uh, thing. Can I like close this conversation up with one thought? Yeah. Do it. Why in the world are we trying to let movies teach our kids these values? Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Like what, mm -hmm. if you, if you're going to say these are a point of conversation, sure. But if we're relying on media at all to be the means by which our kids learn yeah. things, then what we're like, if we're I'm worried trouble. about my kid going into a movie like that, learning something that I don't want them to learn, what I'm admitting is that I haven't taken the time like you did with your boys beforehand to yeah. set some basis for them. Like, here's, here's what I want you to understand. That's irresponsible for us as mm -hmm. parents to let other people have that influence on our kids. Yeah. Um, and obviously every kid's different, but if I... Typically, probably the reason people are so bothered by that is because they feel like it has so much weight in their kids' lives. Yeah. yeah and you yeah. can shift that to what you were saying earlier, Pierce. You have yeah. the remote. You have the control over what movies yeah, your kids yeah. and videos your kids see and don't see. You can shift um, that. And so, yeah. So that's, anyways, that's my closing thought is like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I did really want to go to this topic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, because yeah, we've sorry, been on this sorry, for a long going. time. Uh, my fault. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for filling that in. Thank you for doing all that. Ryan, what are we talking about today, man? So I'm going to start with a story. Uh, in in 2013, I was preparing. Um, I was preparing our Easter series for church, and I, I had previous to that for the few years previous to that, I had always done a two or three week kind of series, an Easter uh, Resurrection Sunday kind of series, and I had decided this particular year in January. Uh, in 2013, I had decided that I wanted to kind of get, I had some questions uh, that I just couldn't get to the bottom of. I had some really good friends who were in the camp that Jesus died only for the believers, that Jesus's death was only for those who would ultimately put his, their faith in him. And I had other friends, uh, and this is the camp that I landed in, that believed that Jesus's death was for all people. Um, and and so uh, the argument that some of my friends would make is, well, Jesus bore God's wrath. He, he obviously, and this was their statement. He obviously only bore the wrath of God for those who were saved. And then other, my other friends would say, no, no, no. Like Jesus died for everybody though. Like his, his love, like God so loved the world 
that he gave Christ for everyone, like for whoever would believe, right? And and so I thought, okay, I'm just going to get to the bottom of this. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach, uh, and where I started, and it kind of ticks me off that I started this way, but it was a good <laughs> learning point. But I started with the assumption that Jesus bore the wrath of God, and I wanted to get to the bottom of did he bear was the cross for everybody or was the cross for only those who would put faith in Christ? That's kind of the question that I was wrestling with Um, because I have really good friends on both sides of that argument and people that I know love Jesus. And so like, it just, that's just kind of where I wanted to go. So what I did is I read through uh, the entire new Testament and (laughs) couldn't, couldn't find a place uh, found. I'll say it this way found a lot of places where it says something like, uh, we have been saved from the wrath of God that is coming or that Christ has set us free from the wrath of God that is to come or that uh, talking about those who reject Christ, that they will be under God's wrath or that they are currently under God's wrath. But I couldn't find a place that, I couldn't find a place where it joined the cross of Christ with the wrath of God. I found a lot of places where it talked about the cross of Christ effectively removing God's wrath, which was stuff that I'd heard my whole life. But anyway, I was trying to get to the bottom of it. So I came to you, Micah, and I said, man, I'm really having a hard time with this series. Uh, Before it was all said and done, before it was all said and done, I read through the New Testament six times in preparation for that series, read through the Old Testament uh, one and a half times, just trying to, to figure this out. And, and, uh, it was really a turning point for me and then ultimately for us as we kind of had this conversation, as is typical, Micah ticked me off because when I came to him with some of these things that I was finding um, that I had been wrestling with at this point for two months, all of January and all of February into the beginning of March, and I came to Micah kind of at the beginning of March that year, and I was sharing with Micah some of the things that I was learning and some of the conclusions I was coming to. Micah goes, oh yeah, that makes sense because of da 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 And he just was like, I was just like, man, you suck so much because it was, it was such an easy jump for you, Micah. And for me, it was very, very painful. It's because I think in words, not pictures. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting topic too. But, uh, so, so the crux of it is if you're sitting there and you're wondering, man, we spent a lot of time on that movie and now you're wondering, all right, Ryan, what are we getting at? This is different because we didn't do the, but Ryan and well, actually, and part of the reason for that is because this is such a weighty topic. And so, uh, I'm, I'm going to start just kind of sharing with you guys, some of my thought processes, and then Pierce and Mike are going to jump in with some thoughts of their own. But I, I had been taught my entire life that Jesus bore God's wrath on the cross. Um, primarily based off of Jesus' statement from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that that was a jumping off place. And then also from uh, kind of the Reformation and also later Jonathan Edwards' language, kind of a legalistic language, not legalistic in uh, like a lawyer type language, uh, a courtroom type language. Uh, and and what I heard growing up, this was, this was kind of how the gospel had been presented to me my whole life, is that that I deserved God's wrath. I deserved God's judgment. 100% agree with that, right? Uh, Ephesians tells us that we are by nature objects of wrath, okay? That is who we are, that we were by nature, according to Romans chapter five, we were by nature enemies of God, okay? And enemies of the cross. So that's who we are by nature. So we were by nature children of wrath. We were by nature enemies of God. And so people would say, well, you deserve God's wrath. Yes, 100% agree. That has not changed for me. I believe that apart from God, that is true, okay? And then... Then, um, can I say one more thing? I think yeah, of course. This. 
I think one of the things that's also a good point to to say this venture or this part of the venture is yeah. what you believe was accomplished at the cross has also not changed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't believe the atonement has changed at all. That's crucial. And, and that righteousness is still in Christ yes. and that salvation is still through Christ, holiness, sanctification, all through Christ, that uh, sin is still defeated, death is overthrown, eternal life is given, all of that your still through the cross. Your, your view of what was accomplished at the cross has not shifted at all. Not a, not a tiny, tiny bit, not even a little bit. Um, in fact, I am probably feel more comfortable in it now yeah. than I ever have yeah. before. Yeah. And, and, and so... So there's this, uh, because, because of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That statement from Jesus on the cross. And also because people said, well, we deserved wrath and we stood before a holy, just judge and he can't just let us go scot-free. So he has to punish somebody. He has to give somebody the punishment that we deserve. By the way, that's not a concept you find anywhere in the scripture. Not one place in the scripture do you find that. And, and, and yet I had always just kind of accepted that as truth, that if I am guilty and I deserve judgment, that the only way for me to be free of that judgment is, is someone else bears my punishment. And I, I want to point out a couple of things. So a lot of people point to the Old Testament, point to the Old Testament sacrifices and say, see, look, they all died. The sacrifices died and the people didn't, meaning they were under God's judgment. Uh, first of all, if if you dying means that you're under God's judgment, then we're all still under God's judgment because we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Two, When you read through Leviticus and you read through the Old Testament sacrificial system, not one place, not once, does it mention that those animals were uh, under God's wrath. It says that God was pleased with them, that he delighted in them, that they were a fragrant offering to him, uh, that it, like, a lot of people will point to, well, Jesus was a propitiation. Um, And they'll say that propitiation is a gift that removes the wrath. Yes, a propitiation is a gift that removes the wrath, but it doesn't mean that the wrath then falls on the gift. And that's where the it gets wrong. Jesus is the gift of God that removes God's wrath. 100% agree with that. 100% believe that. But the Passover lamb in Exodus 12 that that was offered as a sacrifice whose blood was spilled and the blood was painted on the door frames, nowhere does it say that that lamb was under God's wrath. That lamb was a means by which the people could be saved from God's wrath. Yeah, the angel of the Lord, God didn't come in and like, and pass by that house and then go, wait, I got to go put my wrath on that lamb real quick. No. And it's mm-hmm. just because the blood was on the doorposts, they were they were no longer under the wrath of God. Right. Yeah. And and not only that, but... So just to clarify real quick. what Because just, I think you said it in passing, but what has shifted for you, the question you asked that you are now, we're going to talk about is did Jesus actually bear the wrath of God or not? Right. That's where we're headed. Is, right. Yeah, yeah. Is, is the shift for you was recognizing that you couldn't find anywhere in the scripture that was without implication saying Jesus bore the wrath of God. Right, right. Um, so I, 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 think, I think Romans, Romans speaks more clearly of the cross and what the cross accomplished and did than maybe any of the other book holistically in the Bible. Like, there's a lot of really great cross text. Uh, but um, one of the things is Romans 5, uh, beginning in verse 8. God demonstrates his own love towards us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God through him? So the, it's, it's a future wrath. It is a future mm-hmm. wrath that is coming. And because we are under the blood of Christ, we are saved from the wrath of God that is to come. And the Bible is really clear that those who reject God 
will be are not only under that wrath, according to John chapter three, that they remain the wrath of God remains on them, but they will bear the wrath of God when Christ returns. It is a it is a future thing, right? And nowhere in the scripture do we see the the sacrifice bear the wrath of God. Nowhere do we see anyway. So so forget the whole Jonathan Edwards courtroom kind of scene. Like that's just a really cruddy example. Um, like it's not an example birthed in the scripture. It's an example just birthed in one or two people's teaching that became kind of the prevalent way that we talk about it. I literally remember a youth pastor telling us that we're like in the middle of a highway and a semi that God is driving is bearing down on us. And Jesus jumped into the road and pushed us out at the, just the right time so that we, could, so that we, could, he got clobbered and we didn't, you know what I mean? And they say, that's the cross. And I'm like, man, no, that's not the cross. The cross was Christ's obedience to the father. The The Bible says, and I want, I want you guys to catch this, man, I have so much I want to say about this. And this is, I apologize that I'm going to kind of dominate some of this, but a um, couple of things, people who teach that Jesus bore the wrath of God say, man, isn't it great that God spared us from the cross through Jesus Christ? The teaching of the scripture is that we are to bear the cross with Jesus. That's mm-hmm. the teaching yeah, of the, the scripture. New Testament writers call us to join yep. Jesus in his death. Yep. Yeah. So, so Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so people say, oh, well, that's symbolic. Well, yeah, of course it's symbolic, <laughs> idiot. You know, um, like, uh, but, but, the, but if, if the cross if the cross symbolically is God's wrath, then why am I being invited to join, to the join in the to join wrath in. of God? Yeah, which doesn't make sense in the statement in itself. If Jesus bore the wrath of God for me and the cross was that, why am I now required to go bear the wrath as well? Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So Hebrews 13 says, let us go outside the gate where Christ suffered and bear the same reproach and curse that he bore. Which if we're going to say it's a reproach and curse from God, then we're being invited if, to bear that. If we're saying that's the wrath. If the yeah. definition, so what's what I said a second ago, the, the text we would use to say Jesus bore the wrath of God, we're implying the wrath of God in the text. Yeah, yeah, we're adding that to the text. Yeah. Which and you and I did for years. Forever. My that gosh. Was the, so wow. the other part of the story is that was a big, a big hurdle for us. Dude, this hurt. Because, this was a tough lesson to learn. And it was because for that was the beginning for you. It's funny because I think God was like doing something in both of us at the same, almost the same time frame. In your uh, community group. Yeah, Katie. Yep. <clears throat> I was about to say Katie Nowen. I know. <laughs> I can't, I still call her that. She's been married for a few years. She's got a baby. Like yeah. just, And every time uh, I hear her last name, I think of that Mitch Hedberg. Anyways, sorry. Search party. My bad, Luke. Uh, anyways, but Katie asked, she was like, um, like, why why do we basically like what is the wrath of God and why do we say it this way? And I remember telling her all these old testament passages about the wrath of God. And then when she left, no joke, like the moment she walked, she closed the door. Um, and I remember looking at Cami and going, none of those texts I just quoted her said anything about the wrath of God. Right. And it was just like mind blown. Like I just gave her this whole explanation of the wrath of God from these texts that don't even talk about the wrath of God. And it was yeah. because it was from the perspective of substitutionary penal atonement or the idea that Jesus bore the wrath of God in my place yeah, so that I no longer have to bear it. And that was for me, the beginning of that thought. And you had already been on that journey. I didn't know. A couple months. For but, yeah. a couple months up to that point. And so that was, it was something that you and I taught forever. I yep. remember teaching a really hard sermon in my, New Mexico. My book, The Shadow, has Jesus bearing God's wrath. I hate that book now. And I wrote it. That author sucks. He did. <laughs> Does. What the crap, man? Like, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so point being, like, this, is, this isn't this is you and I 
And Pierce, you obviously came to this conversation. You were part of the conversation, but it was like I would just started the seven ten that year. You just started. You weren't we, you weren't pastor or elder yet, no, 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 so no, no, no. you weren't involved. It was like a side yeah. conversation yeah. for you when we were on the road and mm-hmm. seven ten. But you and I have been like like adamantly teaching this perspective of atonement for years, and I'm not yeah. even talking about like just brief like no. briefly mentioning it. It was like core for us. Core. So, so this was Jesus bore the wrath of God is what I was, taught. This was a shift for us that was Hey, just to pause really fast. All we're saying, all we're saying, the only difference is instead of saying Jesus bore the wrath of God is that Jesus removed the wrath of God. Oh, no, no, no. Go. Jesus removed what was causing the wrath of God to be on us. Yes, there you go. So yeah, he sin. didn't take it away. It was yeah. like the thing that was causing the wrath of God to be on us is our sin. Is our sin and yeah. Jesus removed the thing and caused us now to be righteous. Which and because means we're, we're no righteous, longer, we don't need to yes. be, we're not under the wrath of right. God. Yeah. So, so yeah. And so um, the, the emotional shift for us was that we've been preaching it forever and now we're having to go, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. This may be something different, but I feel like that's kind of the joy and benefit of having this kind of community where you can have these conversations where, where we can say our goal is to understand what the scripture says and we're yeah. totally yep. willing to shift from something even as core as that was for us yep. if we start to see it in the scripture. And I'll tell you this, we started asking questions because I told Ryan, I was like, if no one's ever said this before, like in the history of Christianity, we're scrapping it. Oh yeah, because we're we're not that right. smart. Right, and then we started realizing in our research that there there have been people for a very, very, very long time who've been saying what, what, what we're yep. actually saying, which is in essence that Jesus... Simply by faith in Jesus, we are um, no longer under the wrath of God. Right. Jesus removed the thing that was causing the wrath of God, to be honest. Uh, People like C.S. Lewis believe this. People like one of the early church fathers, Athanasius, believe this. There's there's whole groups, denominations within the evangelical church who've believed this forever. It's just the pocket we were in. Yeah. What Mm -hmm. was that? It was the area where I think it caused us to have such a connection to that idea. We literally, you're right. This is how we were taught the gospel. Yeah. Even the uh, the little color bracelets we used to do or like yep. the little color things, like that was kind of how we would portray those. Mm. And then when we share the gospel through the colors was like you you were um, under the wrath of God, but Jesus stepped in the way and said, I'll, I'll bear your punishment for you. Mm-hmm. How many worship songs do we have where it says oh, Jesus yeah. took my place? Yeah. yeah. And and so a couple of thoughts. One of the things is I'm, some of you right now are getting kicked back. You're mad. You're yelling at your iPhone or whatever. Uh, but because uh, we probably don't have Android listeners. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, if if you're, well, now we no. just lost them all. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Here was the other option. Here, subscribers. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't know what I, what I was going to say and y'all were going to make fun of me for it is what I was about to say is you're probably yelling at your radio. And so I had to, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I had to shift. They're, they're turning the dial to the yeah, <laughs> But, but one of the things, so a couple of thoughts, right? So, uh, Hebrews 13, I already alluded to, that says, let us go outside and bear the reproach that Christ bore. First Peter 4 says that Christ suffered on the cross, setting us an example that we also would die and mm-hmm. be done with sin. Yeah. Uh, but it tells us to join him in the cross. That's First Peter 4. It tells us to join him at the cross. Hebrews 12 says, since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and sat down to the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself at the hands of wicked men so that you won't grow faint hearted uh, for you have not yet resisted your sin to the point of shedding blood. So again, we're, we're, supposed to look at Christ on the cross as an example for us on how to suffer 
unjustly at the hands mm-hmm. of wicked men, mm-hmm. yeah. how to suffer persecution. Jesus, there you go. Jesus says that if anyone comes to me and does not deny himself and take up his cross daily, he cannot be my disciple. Christ invites the believer to the cross. Yeah. Not, not symbolically from the standpoint of, oh, I'm just going there to witness what you did for me, but to die with him in that, right? Yeah. To be connected to that, mm-hmm. not under God's wrath, but under under uh, a righteous man dying for for the wicked, you know, like to suffer unjustly at the hands of wicked men. Now, people come back to Psalm 22. Sorry, I'm going ahead of myself. People come back to the statement, my God, my yeah. God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Jesus from the cross made several statements, okay? And, and this statement that he makes from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is a direct quote of the first line of Psalm 22. His audience sitting there, aside from the Romans who are crucifying him, his audience sitting there, all Jewish, and they are very familiar with the scripture. And so this was not an uncommon way for a Jewish teacher to teach because you would say the first line of, uh, of a psalm and that would call everyone's attention to that psalm. So listen to what Psalm 22 says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and I am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel and you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and you were saved and you they trusted were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned by men. I am despised by the people. Listen from this point forward how much it sounds like the cross. I am despised by men and despised by the people. All who see, see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads at me which is literally what was happening in Matthew and Luke as Jesus is hanging out on the cross. They're mocking Christ. They hurl this insult at me, quote, he trusts in the Lord, let the Lord rescue him, let God deliver him since he delights in him, which is literally, according to Matthew and Luke, what the people said to Jesus hanging on the cross. If God delights in you so much, let God rescue you. Um, Yet you are the one who brought me out from the womb. You have caused me to trust upon you from my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey. They open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint and my heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. So a couple of thoughts here. He's poured out like water. His bones are out of joint. Uh, it was key for a Levitical sacrifice that no sacrifice could have broken bones, which is why he'll die before they break his bones later. They'll break the legs of the two thieves, but they won't break Christ's bones because he's dead and he needed to be the perfect sacrifice. Uh, but likely when they dropped the cross into the hole, his arms became dislocated. All my bones are out of joint, right? Uh, my heart has turned to wax within me. It's melted away within me. I think is a picture of after he's died, they shoved the spear into his side and blood and water flowed. His heart melted. His strength is dried up like a potsherd and his tongue sticks to the roof of his mouth. You'll remember that while he was on the cross, he said, I thirst, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Uh, crucifixion, hello. I can count all my bones, which I just touched on. And people stare and gloat at me. And then if you if you thought all this is just coincidence to this point, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots, right? Which is literally what they did for Jesus's clothing. And not just, not just kind of what they did, they divided all of his clothing. And then there was one uh, tunic that was made of one solid piece that they couldn't divide. So they cast lots for it. So they divided my garments and they cast lots for my clothing. These two things. 
Every, literally everything that is happening in this moment while Jesus is on the cross, literally every bit of it is, is unfolding as these people are watching. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which takes people to, uh, to Psalm yeah, 22. This is the point. So the, like the question I think you asked earlier, just to like clarify that point a little bit, a lot, a lot of the thrust of the, of the mindset that Jesus bore the wrath of God was that Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. How we used to teach it and how most people from that perspective still teach it today is that's when Jesus bore the wrath of God on our behalf. Um, that's God, when God poured out his wrath on him. And because of that, they would say, we used to say dumbly, well, there was a separation between God and the son in that moment. Um, because Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We, we've, we've had to change lyrics and songs because it says things. What is it? How deep the father's love for us. The father turns his face away. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's, I'm going to divert a little bit and come right back to Psalm 22 because yeah. this is important. We used to teach that there was a separation between God and Jesus in that moment because the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus and Jesus was no longer basically clean is yeah, how we that's used to how we say had it. To teach it yeah. um, and we used to call it a paradox. Um, yeah, I just don't the, know how. I don't, I don't know, know how. how. So yeah. here's here's a problem. Just to, just to, just theoretically think about this. If God is God because God is, like God is who he is, right? Yep. And if God is who he is as one God, the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, um, even even if you wanted to not argue the Trinity, which we would, us three would, but even if you were like the Father and the Son are right. one, which you see th- all throughout the Gospels, right. and then you say in that moment, Jesus is God, except he and, him and the Father for that one brief moment are separate. Here's the problem. If you say that the essence of God is his oneness, right. and then say there's a brief moment in time where they are not one, what you're saying is, is God is God except for this one moment when he's no yeah. longer God, yeah. which so, would negate in and of yeah. itself God being God at all. Absolutely. So. Here's here's where we land. Like that was an explanation for a premise we already had. So here's ready. Here's the what if. Everybody ready for this? Mm-hmm. What Ryan's saying about Psalm 22. What if Jesus had spent his entire life in ministry proclaiming to the nation of Israel and by default the world that he is the Messiah? His entire ministry. That's what he did. He's mm-hmm. telling them, "I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah." I'm the Messiah. You have a perspective of righteousness you think you can gain by your own works. I'm telling you the perspective of righteousness, you can only have that righteousness through faith in me because I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. What if in one of his last breaths on the cross, he proclaims to all the people around him listening Mm -hmm. by a text that all the Jews understood as a messianic psalm? It was it wasn't even debatable. Right. They agreed this was Psalm 22 is a, a proclamation of the coming Messiah. Yep. What mm-hmm. if Jesus is actually saying not God's leaving me, forsaking me? What if Jesus is actually saying I'm the Messiah? Yeah. By saying all this just happened. It's Psalm happening 22. right now. It's unfolding. Yeah. yeah. It would make a lot more sense biblically to say that Jesus in that moment is simply proclaiming he's the Messiah, not Jesus is saying God, why have you for, actually forsaken mm-hmm. me? He's just in the moment saying a messianic psalm. This is me. It just happened. So what Jesus is doing in that moment is not saying there's a separation because God pours his wrath out on me. He's saying, I'm the Messiah. Right. Well, and not only so, but back to the oneness, Jesus has just the evening before in his prayer in uh, John 17 said that the father and I are one and he's, he's prayed for the church to be one like he and the father are one. Earlier in the evening in John 14, he said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father for I and the father are one. Uh, In John 8, he says that the Father is with me and never leaves me uh, because I only do what pleases the Father. So what you would have to say is Jesus was wrong about the Father. (laughs) You'd have to say that Uh because Jesus has already testified that the Father never leaves him alone. Yeah, exactly. And and so the 
the, the explanation then is, yes, he's preaching, but here's what's really interesting. Do you remember he also says from the cross, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Mm-hmm. That's a quote from Psalm 31.5, mm-hmm. uh, where David talks about entrusting himself into God, a God who cares and is gracious while he's being attacked by these enemies, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, like, he quotes that there. Do you remember that when they first put Christ on the cross, uh, that they came and offered him wine mixed with gall? Wine mixed with gall was a numbing agent. It was basically meant, it was meant to be benevolent. It was meant to be like, you know, so you wouldn't suffer as much, but you also weren't as present. Like mm. your mind wasn't as present. And when Jesus realizes it's wine mixed with gall, he rejects it, rejects it. But then later when he's like, I'm thirst, they offer him sour wine. So in, in Psalm uh, 69, um, this is a messianic uh, psalm as well. In Psalm 69, it says, they put gall in my drink and give me vinegar for my thirst, um, which is the the wine that he rejected and then the the sour wine vinegar, wine. Yeah. the sour wine that they give him later. Like, it, it's, it's so interesting that, um, I'll give you a couple more examples. One, um, Moses comes down from the mountain. Uh, he's received the 10 commandments and God has already told him, I'm gonna kill all these people. I'm gonna kill every one of them. And Moses intercedes for the people. And then God goes, okay, I won't kill him. But God doesn't kill Moses. <laughs> Moses is the intercessor, right? In, in, uh, in Job uh, 38, it says this. Sorry, Job 33. Uh, let me find it. It says, uh, talking about one who sins and wastes away to nothing. It says, they draw near to the pit and their life uh, to the messengers of death. Yet, if there was just an angel who would stand at their side, a single messenger, one out of a thousand to tell them how to be upright, and he would be gracious to that person and, and intercede for them saying, spare them, God, from going down to the pit, for I have found a ransom for them. Let their flesh be renewed like a child's. Let them be restored in the days of their youth. Then that person can pray to God and find favor with him, and they will see God's face and shout for joy, and he will restore them to full well-being. And they will go to the others and say, I have sinned. I have perverted what's right, but God has delivered me from going down to the pit. So I want you to catch what it says here in Job. Job, or in in, in, um, what chapter did I say? We're in 33. So this is is Job's young friend who's speaking. And and this guy's speaking and he's saying, look, if we sin against God, we're we're in trouble. (laughs) And if there were just an angel, just one good angel who would intercede on our behalf, he would hear God, God would hear his intercession and deliver us from going down to the pit. Mm-hmm. If, if there was just an angel to intercede on, him, on behalf of a man. Well, what does Paul say in Timothy? He says that there is no mediator between man and God except for Jesus Christ. Yeah. We don't have one angel out of 10,000 who intercedes for us. We have the son of God interceding yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. And, and if, it, if an angel going to bat for a sinner could deliver them from the pit, how much more so? Like, ah, oh, man, we, we believe, we know we know that Christ is God and we know that his death has declared us righteous. And we know that because we are now declared righteous, we are no longer under the wrath of God. And, and I don't know why, like people always say, well, God's wrath has to go somewhere. He wouldn't be a just judge if he didn't punish the wicked. You're right. He would not be a just judge if he didn't punish the wicked, but you and I are not considered wicked anymore. Nor was Jesus. Right. Jesus was righteous. What's so funny to me is all the New Testament writers talk about him as a pure and spotless lamb, a holy offering, a blameless sacrifice. They like, okay, okay. Some of you are going to go, Ryan, what about 2 Corinthians 5.21? Thank you. So glad you asked the question. Good question. 
Second uh, Corinthians five twenty one says God made him who knew no sin, and here's where it gets sticky. Uh, it's usually translated God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, so that we could become the righteousness of God. Um, look at your footnotes. There's a there's disagreement about how that should be translated. One of the other and one of the older translations of it is God made him who knew no sin to become a sin offering on yeah. our behalf, so that we could become the righteousness of God. I wonder sometimes if the translation well, the, of that verse is based on the, the is based off the, the view. And yeah. what you really where we came to and you really got to start asking is like why is that my premise? Mm-hmm. Like why is the premise of my belief about what Jesus did that he bore the wrath of God? Yeah. Because what we found is it is incredibly difficult to imply the wrath of God um being poured out on Jesus in the text. Right. It is much easier to say that what Jesus did was bear our sin. There's no question with that. 100%. Bore our sin on the cross, took it to the grave, and then and through his resurrection, conquered sin and death. And by faith in that, we are no longer um, sinful and we're declared right. righteous. It's easier to make that case from the text, that what yeah. you just said, that, that the that Jesus removed the thing that was that was causing the wrath of God right. to be on us. It's, we're declared righteous It's now. an easy place to make yeah. that case. What we found is it's a very hard, it's very difficult. I'll say it this way you have to have a lot of implication into the text to be able to say Jesus bore the wrath of God. Another one people are going to bring up is Isaiah 53, Yeah, which you should roll through that real quick. Okay. And before you do though, let me just say <laughs> this. We're spitting all this stuff out real quick because Super we don't have fast. a lot of time. I hope what you're catching from this is what we ended up doing is basically um, making a case that it's it's hard. We would say not there yeah. because we can't, nobody, if you, if you have it, bring it to us because we'd love to hear it. But like, we can't find anything in the scripture that says or even directly implies that Jesus bore the wrath of God on the cross. That's the gist of what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. What we are saying is that what you can find all over the scripture is that Jesus, because of his love for us, the Father's love for us through Jesus, bore our sin on the cross, took it to the grave, conquered it in his resurrection, and that by faith in him, we are free from the wrath of God because yeah. the thing that was causing the wrath of God, to be honest, is removed. Right. So a couple of things, and then I'll jump to Isaiah 52 and 53. A couple of things. One, you can't use Psalm 22 to say Jesus bore the wrath of God because Jesus has already declared that he and the Father are one and that nothing changes that, that God never leaves him alone, right? What are you saying? Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Okay. So, sorry, sorry. I said Psalm 22, didn't I? Yeah, but that's what it yeah. is. But, you, but you, what you mean is when people say, yeah, when sorry. Jesus quotes in the Gospels, my God, my God, why have yeah. you forsaken so me? So when Jesus says, thank you. I think it's important to remember too that this is David writing Psalm 22. Right. And so that's, we can have another conversation right. about that later, but it's a Davidic song that people understood to be a messianic right. prophecy. So when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is not separated from the Father because Jesus has already stated that he and the Father are one mm-hmm. and that the Father never leaves him. Okay, so those two things can't work together. And if you had a question on that, you would you would need to understand that there are tons of texts where Jesus says the Father and him are one and the only thing you'd be making a case on is that Jesus How says- How you feel about no, that. No, no, that Jesus yeah. says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, yeah. it's, and it's your, your take of how he says that is the premise for how you're viewing all the other places where he says right. him and the Well, and one. not only so, but true. at the end of Psalm 22, David acknowledges that God hasn't actually forsaken him. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. You got to yeah. finish the song. Yeah. So uh, then it, you, have to, you have to see from the text, all the text, that we have invited to bear the same shame, the same reproach, and the same suffering that Christ bore at the cross. 
Okay. If the shame, reproach, and suffering that Christ bore was God's wrath, then literally we're being invited to join God, uh, to join Christ in suffering God's wrath. But what Acts says <laughs> and what Hebrews says is that Christ was handed over to wicked men and that he was treated wickedly and that he was treated unjustly. Uh, even, and, and by the way, Philippians 2 says that because Christ went to the cross, God exalted him and gave yeah. him the name that is above every name. The, the cross was pleasing to God, not shameful to God. Right. The cross exalted Christ, according to Philippians 2, not diminished him in right. any way. Right. Uh, God is exalting Christ because of this. This is an, a Christ exaltation moment. Can I go one more place before Isaiah yeah. 53? Uh, another, another thing I've heard people say, <clears throat> which you actually find this if you look up some of the... Uh, um, most of the people who who are proclaiming this viewpoint tend to be from um, a reformed perspective of the scripture. Tend to be, not always. Sure, but tend to be. Um, so you might look up like what Platt or somebody else thinks about this, and they one of the things that Platt says. If you look up some YouTube stuff, is he'll say an example of why Jesus bore the wrath of God is Jesus says that says in the high priestly prayer, um, God let this cup pass from me, and he'll say um, he'll say that that is the cup of wrath. That right. Jesus same. A couple thoughts. One, there's nothing in the text that says what cup that is. We can assume what cup it is, but it's- Lots of places in the Bible, there's cups of suffering. Lots of cups. Mm -hmm. Here's why I think you'd have a problem saying it's a cup of wrath is because James and John then ask him not too long. Yeah. Or it's actually before that, isn't it? It's before that. Before yeah. That, so but they ask him like, can't, you know, can we be on the right and left? And he says, basically, are you able to drink the cup? Drink I'm the about cup. to drink. I'm about to bear. So if it's a cup and they of said, wrath. Yes. And then he said, you will indeed drink right. the cup I'm about so to drink. So if it's the cup of, if the cup Jesus is talking about is the wrath of God, here's what you're saying. Jesus bore the wrath of God and then James for everybody and except for James and John. <laughs> <laughs> they had to right. bear it on their own. Yeah. They have to bear, <laughs> they have to guys, drink the same cup that he he's drank. He's like, well, you asked. Now you got to do it on your own. Yeah. Suckers. Yeah, so Jesus is not confused about the cup he's about to drink. No, I mean you can make assumptions that he's talking about like a cup of suffering or yeah, something but, else, but yeah. like and but he tells I think you can make that assumption quite safely because James and John do ask and he does say, Can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? Yes, point being though, you're still yes. you're still assuming. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I would have you do is look at the Old Testament. It's going to be boring, uh, but look at the Old Testament sacrifice, <laughs> sacrificial system, sacrificial, sacrificial, sacrificial system. Look at the Old Testament sacrificial system. I call you Sean from now on. Yeah, and uh, and you will see that in none of those is he places. Scottish? Uh, yeah, uh, you, you'll see right or British? Is he British? I don't. Know. I don't I think know, he's man. Scottish. Anyway, he's Some dead now. So. Uh, and so, uh, you'll see that none of those sacrifices of the old Testament are said to have borne, yeah. borne God's wrath. Nope. So Isaiah 52 and 53, um, is, uh, an, um, another messianic text and, and it's, it's really beautiful, but Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 12, sorry, beginning in verse 13 says, see my servant will act wisely. He will be high and exalted and lifted up. Speaking of Christ on the cross, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths. So basically, uh, first part of this is that the Gentiles will come to believe in Christ. Verse, or chapter 53, verse one, Isaiah says, but who has believed our message to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So this is now about Israel. We can talk more about that in a different podcast, or you can call me or message me. Uh, Jesus, he grew up before them like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty that should attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. 
He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with grief. Like from one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. We considered him stricken by God, smitten uh, by him and afflicted. And so I want to, I want to touch on this for a second here. Um, he wasn't, he, there wasn't anything about him that looked favorable. There wasn't anything about him that was pleasing to the eye. There wasn't anything about him that automatically just won people over to him and people's perception of him was that uh, they despised him. They considered him of low esteem. Uh, they, he was rejected by men and their view was that he was stricken by God and afflicted by God. That was their view. This is not saying that God afflicted right. him or that right. uh, that that God smote him, um, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was crushed for our iniquities. Uh, the chastisement upon him brought us peace. And so, a lot of people say, "See, he was chastised. He was he was chastised by by God." Uh, I think I think we're reading that into the text. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the Bible makes it pretty clear and. In Luke, it says that this is the the hour and the power of darkness uh, that Christ was handed over into the hands of wicked men, and and so like, um, we we don't doubt at all that the Lord laid on him all of our iniquity. That says that's right. in the next verse. Right. Uh, he was oppre- oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like sheep before its shears is silent. So he didn't open his mouth. This is how the people treated him. This is what they did to him. Like right. Not what God did to him um, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Uh, that's that's what the people did to him. Um, he was assigned a grave with the wicked. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him and cause him to suffer. So a lot of people, uh, yeah, it, it was it was God's will to put him to death, to mm-hmm. to make him a guilt offering, to make him a sin offering. That was God's will. This doesn't in any way show God's displeasure with it. In the same way that there is no displeasure shown by God to any of the sacrifices of the Old Testament or the Passover or anything else. Right. It, it was God's will that there be a Passover lamb. It was God's will that there be a ram in the thicket for Abraham. It was yeah. God's will that there be uh, sheep that, and, and blood that was shed for the forgiveness of his his people's sins. You know, like, I mean, that was God's will. And so we're, we're adding... We are adding to they, the text. What I used to preach was, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And I would just automatically say, see, God God killed Jesus on our behalf. Like God, by pouring out his wrath on Jesus, he put him to death. I used to actually preach that that's what caused Jesus's heart to like melt, if you gotcha. will. Was that that was when God poured out his wrath on Jesus and it was so intense that his physical body couldn't hold it. Yeah. Funny enough, none of that's in the text. No. None of it. No. Nope. I was just implying this phrase it was a will of the Lord to crush him. I was implying all that other stuff on that one phrase. All, all it says is it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Right. Yeah. It was the will Which of Which is God why Jesus says, die. I have come mm-hmm. to do your will. I have come to do, yeah. yeah. He says it in the garden, like, God made this, like, make this go away, but it's not my will, it's yours. Like, he yeah. knew what he was about to suffer. Like, right. Physically, none of that is wrath. There's That's what I was saying earlier. We are implying wrath in all these texts, and it's yeah. not there. Yep. You would have to... you. I mean, I'm anxious to hear. You're you're not going to find a place it, in like, Romans that says that Jesus bore the wrath of God. You will find places in Romans that talk about the wicked that they will suffer God's wrath, yeah. and that the righteous have had the wrath of God removed from them. Right. You will find those things. Right. So we're not even saying that wrath doesn't exist. No, like it exists. It's, it will be poured yeah. out. Yeah, it will be poured out on the wicked, the people who yeah. have not put faith in God as a provider of salvation through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because they're no, it, it will be poured out on people who are not declared righteous and decide through faith. Here, here's what I'm going to say to you. You're going to have 
you're going to have a lot of thoughts about this and maybe you're you're fuming under the collar right now. Uh, here's behind what, your iPhone. Yeah, behind your iPhone. <laughs> here's, here's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, before you start proof texting and before you, you start Googling a whole bunch of articles, just go read the text. Go, go read the scripture. Don't argue from uh, a legal uh, standpoint of what a judge should do or shouldn't do. Don't, don't argue. Actually, can I shift that? Yeah. I think, because no one's going to read the whole scripture. No. No one's going to do what you did. Okay. You're the only, well, maybe the one other person I can think of might actually do that. I think what you should do is begin to ask the question first, which is what we should have done in the very beginning, is what was accomplished for us at the cross? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you can start to, to have good conversation and it's going to be easier than reading through the whole scripture. Because yep. if that's the foundation, if that's the premise, is what was accomplished for us at the cross then that, that becomes the thing that is most important. Right. Because one of the things that can, can be lost in this conversation about atonement is, is what was accomplished at the cross. We could split ways, if you will, yeah. be divided over how it happened, mm-hmm. but what we should know that we're agreed on is what we actually gained from the cross. Right. Absolutely. That hasn't shifted for us. It's yeah. not, we don't disagree with all the people that we disagree on how it happened, yeah. with on how it happened. We don't disagree with on what is accomplished at the cross. True. And so I think if you start there, then you're able to have this, this conversation yeah. with the premises in the right place. Like one of my struggles with, um, with and you'll all of you out here who are in this theological camp know exactly what I'm saying. One of my problems with a certain theological camp is the entire premise of that theology is based on, the, on Jesus bearing the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because one of the questions you ask in your five tenets is, who did Jesus bear the wrath for? Did he bear it for everybody? Yep. Did he bear it for just the elect? Here's You're the starting issue. with the assumption. I don't, I don't, yeah. dis, I love so many of the doctrines in this theological bend. I love it. Yeah. But if the whole premise of my theology is based on the assumption that Jesus bore the wrath of God, what happens? What happens to the structure of your theology if that premise, that axiom is flicked out from underneath? The whole thing crumbles. So here's yeah. what I'm saying don't base the entire um, outlook on the cross on this one atonement viewpoint. Like, right. let the premise be what is accomplished at the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from there, start to ask the questions of how. Well, and I've found that if I have a conversation with somebody by just making a few statements without even going into what I believe about how the atonement worked, uh, that we agree with each other. So I'll come at it and I'll say, Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bore transgressions and sins. Uh, through faith in him, we're saved, right? And we have been rescued from the wrath of God because of what Christ accomplished in our faith in him. And I have yet to meet somebody who who goes, no, I don't agree with that. Like everybody agrees with that. And and so like, we're, we believe that we've been saved from the wrath of God. Yep. The only thing that we're changing, the only thing is we believe we have been rescued from the wrath of God because Jesus declared us righteous yep. and not because Jesus bore it. Mm-hmm. For the wrath of God. For the wrath of God, yeah. Yeah. It, which is funny because it's it, when you when you say it like that, it actually doesn't sound that different, but it is so very different. And well, it it's so personal to people. It's emotional. That, yeah, because yeah, most of us are in the camp, like you guys mentioned earlier. I don't know if you mentioned this, Pierce, but you are in this camp where the gospel was shared to us in that way. Mm-hmm. We we were set up in a courtroom. Yep, we were going to get yeah, you know, judged because of our sin, and Jesus stepped. It might away be how we said, put our faith in Christ with that belief system. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe if you're going, oh crap, did I, did I believe a false gospel? No, Gosh, no, no. What you believed is that Jesus is the means by which you are saved from, from sin and, and from God's righteousness in the sight of yeah. God. 
It's the same gospel. All we're talking about is it's such a small nuance, but it's such a big deal emotionally. And it's super important to say that it's the same gospel because I promise you that there will be some people who, if they had this conversation with us, would call us heretics. Yes. And, but it's, we're not preaching a different gospel. Have called us heretics. Yeah. Yeah. That's not true. Have not called me a heretic. I've called you a heretic. I've called me Ryan a heretic. Yes. Anyway, why don't, why don't people ever do that? I just want, I want it to happen once. <laughs> just, once. just, just once. I, I would be fine if everybody who wanted to call me a heretic just started calling you That's a heretic. Fine. That would, that would be fine with I'm, me I'm too. Fi- hey, before if you talk, I'm going to call Micah. You can just, if you're out there phone. and yeah. you were going to message Ryan and be like, you're a heretic, stop it. Cause actually I'll tell you this. If he gets those emails and I find out who it is, I'm calling you anyways. So <laughs> you might as well start the conversation with me in the first place. Here's, I would want to ask, like, if people are going to come at us and go, this is heretical, you've got to show me biblically why. This isn't like, and which we're, by the way, we're open to. Absolutely. Yeah. We want to know the scripture. So if if you're, I'll tell you this, we've spent a long time having these conversations, not just with each other. Nine years. We've had these conversations with our buddies who are, are doctors, have doctors in theology who actually wrote papers on the atonement. We've had conversations with very experienced um, educated people in the field of theology, and we still arrive at the same place where we're asking for someone to give us biblical evidence of why G- of where Jesus bore the wrath of God, and we have yet to get it. Yeah, not mm-hmm. not logical reasoning, biblical evidence. Yeah, I'm not even saying it has to say Jesus bore the wrath of God because we would all agree that there's no place in the Bible that says Jesus bore the wrath of God. Right. So your implications, but just that idea, you'd have to make that concept. Very, I mean, we've read no. You've read multiple papers people have sent us yep. that were there like dissertations yeah. um, and things like that. Even just regular papers they wrote on this. Yeah. And I'm reading a book right now. And, and it's funny because they'll always say, oh, oh, you got to read my paper. This will this will work it out for yeah. you. And we read it and we're like, this is the same thing that everybody else has been saying. Yeah. Same thing that quite honestly I used to say. Yeah. It, it's not, I, here's what I'm going to need. If, if, if you're going to switch my mind, which again, we want to be correct on the text. So if you want to switch my mind. You're going to have to show me something that I hadn't taught for 25 years first because, <laughs> uh, because I know what I taught for 25 years and, I why was, you it. and why I taught it. I was convinced of it, mm-hmm. uh, but I was convinced of it based off of reasoning and logic. And you not would have had a really hard time back then hearing this. 100%. But yeah. you, even though you would have been defensive, you would have been at least compelled. I would have lost sleep over it. You would have it. been compelled to go back to the scripture. And started working, yeah. And start asking questions about why you believe what you believe about yeah. those certain texts. Yeah. I, honestly, I think the biggest one for me was the Psalm 22 one. Yeah. Because when you start to see that Jesus wasn't, like that there's a better case biblically that Jesus wasn't saying God actually forsook me, but that Jesus was actually saying I'm the Messiah. Yeah. Like that one phrase people get so hung up on. It, and you it, would have to argue the, the first verse of Psalm 22 that Jesus is quoting carries more weight than all the rest of Psalm 22, which is a word for word situation of what's what happening happened. at the cross right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is proclaiming him to be the Messiah. That's right. what people miss anyways. Yeah. There's a lot more, I think, to, to be said about it. Um, that's, I feel like those are the most important things. Yeah. As and, far as. Mm-hmm. And Pierce, as far as a simpler view goes, uh, we are rescued from the wrath of God through Christ making us righteous. I don't, I don't know how to say that better. Jesus. Yeah, through our faith in Jesus. I, I mean, you could even go farther. Like, we're declared righteous in the sight of God through faith in Jesus. Yeah. The implication of that, or the, not the implication, yeah, yeah, yeah. the result of that is we're no longer under the wrath of God. Yeah. And maybe that's too, I just thought about this. We all probably heard the gospel growing up, us three, that like, you put your faith in Jesus so you don't have to go to hell, you get to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a similar conversation. Like, if if the goal is... 
if if the goal is to be free of the wrath of God, um, I don't feel like that's a holistic viewpoint of what we actually right. get. You know what I mean? The, the goal was never, when God created Adam and Eve, he didn't create them so that they would be people that wouldn't have to suffer his wrath. Right, yeah. <laughs> the, which the story of the Bible is a story of redemption where we go back, basically get back to the place where we are again the way God made us to be. Ephesians and Colossians says that we are again made in the image of God. Like, right. And so mm-hmm. like this story isn't about the goal of not suffering the wrath of God. The story yeah. is about us like who were terrible people under the wrath of God because of our sin and wickedness mm-hmm. and unable to rescue ourselves. And so God sent us Jesus and he accomplished that work in his death and his resurrection by bearing our sin and through faith in his in his finished work, um, we are now declared righteous. We're right in the sight. We're kids of God again. We're, you know, children yeah. of God again. And because of that, we don't have to be under the wrath of God anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to be back to a place where we have a relationship with God, not just to be free of the wrath of God. Yeah. yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, yeah. Well, and and using uh, well, never mind. That's another. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> we could go for a while on this. Yeah. I mean, you think could about go. how many years of conversation this was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of information for an hour. An Sorry, hour. we just packed it in. No, no, no. I, 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 was, t- I, was, trying, I was taking notes as we were going. Um, so the headlines, I think of the, the I mean, you, you can fill me in if, we, if I missed one. I was trying to kind of go as we were kind of hitting some sections. Uh, but, a, but a big chunk of scripture that we talked about was all kind of themed under um, why, why, would we, why would Christ do something that would be a substitutionary for us if believers are also called to the cross. So that was kind of a whole section we talked about. Yeah. Um, if Christ and God are one, and that's a whole theme that we see Christ really emphasizing the in the gospels of his teaching, him and God are one, him and God are one. How can they not be one for an instant? If that, if that is true, then that negates his truth of being God. And then back to what we've been emphasizing the past few minutes as well. Um, Christ has changed our state. We are now righteous. We are righteous, yeah. therefore no longer needing wrath. It's, it wasn't that wrath had to be removed, but now that we have been declared righteous in the sight of God. His wrath didn't have to go anywhere. His wrath didn't have to go yeah, anywhere. It yeah. will go somewhere. Yeah, wrath will be the wicked suffer. Suffer. But we are saved from that and because it's so we are Paul declared says righteous. we are saved and we are being saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he uses kind of both language. I think it's what it is. Like we're, yeah. we're saved now, if you will, free from sin. As he says, we're free yeah. from saved. sin, yeah. But we will also... We're be saved, from, be saved God's wrath. from the coming wrath of God. Yeah, and that, and we brought up past both of y'all brought up Passover lambs earlier, or lamb earlier. Um, beauty of that as well is that yeah, we covered in the by the blood of Jesus. That now, whenever wrath is come, wrath comes, we are passed over. Christ yeah, is our Passover over. lamb. Yep. So um, yeah, beauty, and this is I think I think looking at the Passover lamb and seeing this these things, looking at Isaiah fifty three. Um, looking at Psalm 22, knowing kind of the context of Christ proclaiming that on the cross, seeing God's plan of redemption, this isn't just Christ fumbling. <laughs> like, right. This is this is an eternal plan of redemption. Right. Um, God saving His people and bringing us back to this place of being His children, not just so that we can say, "Oh, we missed dodge a bullet there," <laughs> but that we can be children of God, yeah. uh, living free, living righteously, um, living as righteous declared. Um, children of God forever and ever in his presence. And how awesome is that? So um, I don't, I'm, I don't remember exactly what you said for the simpler view. So just hit that re- <laughs> rewind button. And that was the simpler view that they said a few seconds ago. Um, but yeah, this, this was, there was quite a buildup for this episode. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm really curious for the people listening and watching how you guys feel about it. What I really like about doing it on this platform is that like, 
just we, we just go like there's not like the the, the pushback <laughs> as you're talking as you're kind of like turning to the texts i feel like there's plenty of people that whenever they begin to hear those things you guys we said this very beginning like there's a lot of pushback of like but i've always been taught this or but this first means this this means this and so i think that we're able to just get it all out there in an episode and then yeah. you guys are probably responding in your heads as you've been listening or watching We'd love to hear those responses. We'd love to hear those conversations. We'd love to, we'd love to have those conversations. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Um, and again, our heartbeat is to know the text, is to know what, what God has proclaimed, is to, is to, just to see that. Um, and so if you guys, I forget how you, you beckoned them to respond earlier, but if there's a text where you're like, well, this, this seems to really point to the wrath of God being poured out, or this really seems Call to— Micah. To do that, you definitely call Micah <laughs> and then he'll funnel Actually, through ask us. Ryan legit questions. And if you're going to call somebody, if you want to like, if you want a dog fight, don't call Ryan, call me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I do um, like questions. Not a dog fight. If you're going to call someone a heretic, call me. Because Ryan will take it to heart and I'll just tell you you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Now they're going to call me because they want me to take it to heart. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of being stupid, Steven's over there. Hey, yeah. <laughs> we are at the Garden Audio, as always, hanging out, having a good time. You hear this? Do you hear this amazing audio? Well, that's because of Steven. Man, Steven's great. Go give Steven a follow at the Garden Audio on Instagram. I don't know why he's in a Speedo, though, today. Uh, he's, I mean, it's looking it's good. While you're over there at the social medias, give us a follow at SimplerPod. And hey, while you're looking at our stuff, find the link for the Simpler Conference and get mm. registered if you're not registered already. It's only $10. It's May 13th and 14th. We got six sessions coming at you. Where we're diving deep. Uh, we've got we've got some of our how to deal with emotional baggage and emotional hurt. We've got some of our marriage, stuff of our parenting. We've got Simpler Live. It's going to be a good time. You guys get to open a Dr. Pepper with Micah. Woo, man, we're doing it. We're just essence, essence of Steven. We're doing all the deal. I mean, we're hanging out. It's May 13th and 14th. It's only $10. Also, only a hundred spots. So you're gonna get wanna get registered really quickly. And if it's if you go to the site and you see that it's full already, be sure to follow on social media because that's where you'll see the clips. That's where you'll see us posting updates. That's where you'll see things on there. And as always, keep Christ's core. What could be simpler than that? We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>